Hey Amen. Thanks for being here today. And I just want to encourage you to just um, continue to let the Lord speak to you. Did you hear what Hannah said? I know that the microphone was cutting out an awful lot when she was speaking, and I'm sorry about that. We don't know what was going on, but it wasn't anybody's fault. It was just the microphone. What Hannah was saying, let me just reiterate a little bit what Hannah was saying, because what she was saying is so important. What do you expect when you come to church? I mean, if we're coming into church just to fill the seat, just because that's what I do on Sunday mornings for the next, for an hour and a half on Sunday morning, I come to church just because that's my ritual, it's my habit. Even though that's a good thing to do, it's not enough, is it? It's not enough to come to church. If I'm not coming here expecting to hear from the Lord, if I'm not coming here expecting to be a producer, not just a consumer in a church world, you're not going to get anything out of the service. You will sit there and you will fill, up, you will fill the seat and you will warm it up, but you, you personally won't get anything out unless you're coming expecting, hungry, with an expectation to hear from the Lord. And that is through the worship. Now, I'm sure that you probably don't like every song we sing. I don't. But I still worship. It's not that I don't like Jackie. I just, there are some songs that I like better. Jim, you like a song, and I think I know what it is. Revelation song. Every, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, then why don't you play my songs, ones I like all the time. You see, if we did that, see, that's what we want. We want somebody to come and play our song. Don't we? You play my song, I'm happy. But if you play Chad's song, I'm not so happy. Example. But you get the point, right? And so when we come to church, we're not coming just to get fed because we don't want to get entertained. We want to come in expecting to give somebody else. That the person you're sitting next to needs you to be here. And unfortunately, we have some, pr- some pews here, some rows here that are pretty empty. Right? We need to fill them up. We need to fill them up. You need to go into the highways and the byways and invite people in and do our part living our Christian life in the world to make our life attractive. How do you do that? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what he does. That's his role. And we just need to make ourselves available. So we're speaking on the power of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to talk about him over the next few weeks And I'm going to continue to talk about him today in basically some of the roles of the Holy Spirit in our life. And I will just say as we begin today to speak on today that speaking about the Holy Spirit is kind of like painting the Mackinac Bridge. There's a million places to start. So where do you begin? Where do you begin to talk about the Holy Spirit? Where do you begin to paint the Mackinac Bridge? Because there's not a wrong spot. As long as you keep going, <laughs> as long as you keep going in the process, you'll eventually get the, paint, the, the bridge painted only to have to start over five years from now and paint it again because it's going to take five years to paint it. And so we can talk about the Holy Spirit beginning anywhere and not be wrong, but recognize that we're going to have to continue to talk about him over and over and over again because it's only by his authority am I even taking a breath. It's only because the Holy Spirit is living in me through the power of Jesus, by the will of the Father, that you and I are even in this building today. So what are we doing when we're in this building? Are we accomplishing his his purpose? Are we accomplishing his plan? 
the last few weeks we've been talking about the Holy Spirit and kind of trying to introduce him as a member of the Godhead. We talked about the Trinity a few weeks ago, and we talked about then that the Holy Spirit is as much of God, as much as God, as God the Father is, and so is Jesus the Son. And we also talked about the last time we met, not last week because of the snow, but the week before, we talked about so many hindrances that people have about the Holy Spirit because they're afraid of this Spirit. They're afraid, they're a little intimidated for the fact that the Spirit, more than a person, might want to do something in their life. And so we get a little intimidated by that. And I'm trying to break that fear down. I'm trying to get us away from the fear of the Holy Spirit. And we would start to look at a desire and an invitation to invite the Holy Spirit in our lives in his full authority, whatever that looks like. And I know that we have Pentecostalized the Holy Spirit in a way. That's a word I just made up that we have put him in a box and we think he has to operate the way we think he has to operate and we have to have an experience like everybody else has the experience and we have to make it all speaking in tongues and all this other stuff and, you know, that's all part of it, but that's not all of it. Uh, That's just a very, very small part of it. And I'm trying to get us to understand truly what it means to have the Holy Spirit in our heart and in our life and active on a daily basis. So we're going to go through some fundamentals today. Like most of you know, I'm an engineer, and so I kind of go towards the the foundational stuff kind of maybe too heavily or or heavily. So we're going to talk about a lot of scriptures today. We're going to go through. There's a worksheet that you have. It's pretty detailed. In fact, I will just tell you that... I had, uh, this morning when I came in and praying and preparing, um, I looked at all the stuff I had here today, and I cut the sermon in half. The next half is coming next week, probably. But I had so much information, I'm thinking, man, that is just like, like a fire hose. And how do you drink out of a fire hose? It, it just blows you apart. And so I want to slow down, and I want us to embrace the fact that the Holy Spirit is good, He's kind, he's compassionate, and he wants to have an active role in our lives. Are you okay with that? So let's start a little bit today. Let's talk about it. The roles of the Holy Spirit in the personal lives of believers begin at the moment of salvation and continue through their entire life. The role of the Holy Spirit is throughout your whole life it begins at the whole it begins at your at your conversion the holy spirit is the primary agent on earth today that works in the lives of people he's the he is the active agent of god today and we've spoken in the past about jesus ascending to heaven and after his death and resurrection and and why did he have to ascend well let's just review it let's go back and read john chapter 14 verses 15 through 17, and then we're going to skip down to verses 25 through 27. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. First thing he said, if you love me, do something. If you love me, keep my commands. That's proof that we love him by keeping his commands, all right? And then he goes on to say, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Not just for a day, not just for the moment of your salvation, but he will be with you forever. And he is, verse 17, the spirit of truth. 
All this I have spoken while still with you. Verse 25. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Do we see Jesus here trying to give us an introduction to the Holy Spirit by saying he's going to be your helper, he's going to be your advocate, he's going to be with you forever, and anything that comes into your life that would give you stress or struggle, have peace because he's with you and he will be here for you. So Jesus, just as Jesus left the earth and he goes back to heaven, the Holy Spirit is sent to earth to be the active agent of the Trinity, and he comes with a purpose to take off where Jesus left off. He's not coming to create a new faith, a new religion. No, he's coming to say, where Jesus ended, I'm picking it up. And he's picking it up from the perspective where he can be all things to all people in all cases. Acts chapter 1, verses 8 and through 9, the New Living Translation It says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will receive what? Power. When will you receive the power? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after saying this, he was then taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. So the Holy Spirit is coming to give us power. There's a progressionary work of the Holy Spirit. What is it? What is the progressionary work of the Holy Spirit's involvement with mankind? What is the progression? What happens? Well, the first thing that he does is one of the most important things is that he is to interact with unbelievers because we all come into the relationship with the Lord first as an unbeliever. None of us come out of the womb as a believer. We all come out as an unbeliever, so the Holy Spirit has to go back to the very beginning of who we are And he comes to interact with unbelievers by convicting them of their sin and showing them that there is a need for them to have a relationship with Jesus. So the Holy Spirit comes with conviction power. That's the first power that comes. We have to know that this is progressionary. Our lives without God are not in relationship with God until the Holy Spirit comes and brings a conviction to our life that there's sin in our life. And then we need to change. We need to change ownership. We need to change the owner of me from me being the center of my life to the Holy Spirit showing me that Jesus needs to be the center of my life. That's what he does first. At this point, prior to this point, the unbeliever is not a child of God. Hear me on this one, because we often say we're all children of God. Well, we're not, unless the Holy Spirit has brought a level of conviction to your life where you've accepted Jesus as your Savior. At that point, you're adopted into the family. Prior to that time, you're just a creation. You become a child of God when the Holy Spirit 
brings you to a point where you see the unconditional love of God to be more than just love, but a power to change us into a child of God. Romans chapter 5, verse five or verses 6 and then verse 8, this is um, Paul speaking to the Romans. He says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, powerless means before the Holy Spirit came upon us, because when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we have power, right? So when you were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So the Holy Spirit, his first progressionary role, the first role in our life is to show us the fact that we are not a child of God and that we need salvation. We need to ask Jesus into our life. We need to ask him to forgive us, and we need to have a new relationship established. And it's only because God loved us before we were lovable that he sent Jesus to be our sacrifice. And then Jesus paid the price for our sin. And now the role of the Holy Spirit, the first role of the Holy Spirit in my life and your life is to draw us to Jesus by making our sin known to us. Make sense? We okay with that? Then it's through the relationship that we have is that we're saved from sin and that we have this new relationship with God. Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 7. And I did this last week, and it worked out really well, but would somebody else like to read this for me? Chad, you did such a good job. Would you read this passage for us, please? Titus 3, 3 through 7. Once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled and became slaves to many, to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Amen. Hold on to that microphone. It's the Holy Spirit power in us that revealed God's love. It's the Holy Spirit having a love for us like God the Father has for us that reveals to us our need for a Savior. I go back to, we're going to go back and read John chapter 3 in a minute um, where the Holy Spirit made it uh, apparent to Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a leader in in the Jewish um, religion, religious leaders, and, and he went to Jesus one night on his own by himself because Jesus was obviously preaching the gospel message and the Pharisees were rejecting it. And Nicodemus goes to Jesus go, this night and he asks what he must do. So, Chad, would you read that, please? John chapter 3, verses 3 through 6. Jesus replied, very, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can anyone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. So do you see the role of the Holy Spirit here? 
It is bringing us into a new relationship. It's th the term born again that many people have spoken about, the, the Christian lingo. It's really biblical that we are born again. Yes, we're all born in flesh because we were born of our mother, but to, be, to have relationship with God who is a spirit, our spirits must be born again. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit comes and he creates a, uh, a desire and a need and a level of conviction that says, boy, something's got to change in me. And when I do, then I am, my spirit man is born again. And that's where that terminology comes from for those that are wondering, why do we say born again? Or why do we say saved? Well, because it all indicates that we are changed. Our spiritual man has changed. So this morning, if you're a believer the Holy Spirit already has had a very active part in your life. He's already been very involved with you, whether you, whether you recognize that or not, but it's also important to realize that, that that's just the beginning of his role and the very beginning of his activities that he wants to have in your life. In fact, if you're going to continue on in your pursuit of God and to be a true follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit's continual presence and his power and his work is very vital to your ongoing salvation it's not just a one-time occurrence the holy spirit just doesn't convict you one time and then you make the choice to accept jesus and become saved and then from that point on the holy spirit leaves no he's very active in your life from then on and if and and it's only by the ongoing work of the holy spirit are we even able to work out our salvation philippians chapter 2 verse 12 it says therefore my dear friends as you have always obeyed not only in my presence but now much more in my absence paul says continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. I like the Living Bible translation says it this way. For God is at work within you, helping you want to obey him, and then helping you do what he wants. The Holy Spirit's continuing role in your life, once you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, is to continue to give you a desire to want to obey Christ. Because it's not in your own ability to do that. Our flesh man does not want to obey Christ. Because we are tainted, we're stained, we are twisted in sin because of what happened so many years ago in the Garden of Eden that we don't have a choice in that matter. You don't have a choice in your sin. Your sin, you were born in that way. The only choice you have is to leave that life of sin and to walk into a life of rebirth through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then once you are reborn, now your continuing choice is to continue to live that way, inviting the presence of the Holy Spirit to be with you. We could spend a lot of time talking about this passage here because this is the true work of God in our life. That we are to have a fear and a trembling of God. You know what that means? It doesn't mean that he's a big, bad, boogie guy, that he's up there with a hammer just waiting to hit me as soon as I screw up. No, that's not the fear I'm talking about. The fear I'm talking about is reverence and awe of his greatness, the power that he holds in his breath, the fact that he could speak the words of creation and all of a sudden, out of nothing, 
the universe just appears. That's power. I fear that power. I revere that power. I respect that power. I don't take it lightly. I don't look at it and say, oh, well, I'll take it when I want it, and when I don't want it, I won't take it. We are to work out our salvation. We are to work and live in our life of salvation through a fear and a continual revelation of the power and the authority of who God really is. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's what he wants to do. He wants to give us that relationship so that we work out our salvation and we live righteously before him because of his awesome power. Isn't that good? My Bible commentary says this about our responsibility to have the Holy Spirit working in our life. The Bible commentary says, God works by his Spirit within the lives of Christ's followers to produce both a desire and the power to do what is good and right and to fulfill his purposes for their lives. However, the Holy Spirit's work is not forced, and his grace can be resisted. We can reject the Holy Spirit's help and guidance and go our own sinful and destructive way if we choose. God's work through his Spirit within us is always dependent on our faithfulness and on our cooperation. Do we understand the significance here of this? The last time we spoke about it, I made mention that even in the Holy Spirit's power and authority and his omniscience and his omnipotence and his omnipresence as, of, as God is, we are created in their image, in the image of God we're created. And that means we have the power to choose. And because of that power of choice, the only thing that really proves that I love God is if I choose to obey God. No different than the way you prove your love to your spouse or to your friends, by doing things that please them, by doing things that honor them, by doing things that show them that they're valuable to you, right? That's how you prove your love. You don't spit in somebody's face and say, I love you. You don't purposely hurt them and say, I love you. Do we? That's a weird way of expressing our love because it probably isn't love, right? So the only way that we really show people that we love them is by the choices that we make to honor them. It's the same thing with God. That's why he gave us the power of choice because he wanted people that would choose to love him. He didn't want robots. He could have created men without a choice. He could have created us to just automatically have a desire to love him and serve him without a choice. But how would that have honored him with love? Remember, God is love, right? God is love. That's what his character is. And love between the Godhead, between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they choose to honor each other all the time. They have the choice. They could choose not to, but then it would prove to the others that there's no love there. And he's given us that same power of choice through love that we're continuing to choose to honor him by our choices. And so the Holy Spirit says, I'm here to help you. 
but he's not going to force you. If you choose to dishonor him, if you choose to live a life that doesn't honor Christ, you can. He's not going to stop you. How many know that? How many know that you have the power to either please him or not please him? It's our choice. And so if you're doing something that isn't pleasing to him, how can you then come to him and say, I love you, Father? If you are purposely doing things that are not appealing and not pleasing to him, how then can you say, Jesus, I love you so much? When Jesus was saying, well, why did you do last night what you did then? Why did you go do and carouse at the bars and get drunk and, or sexually, why were you on the porn site or why did you lie? Why did you steal? Why did you do that? Why did you do the things and then you come back and tell me you loved me? Really? We're going to be talking about the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit next week. That's the half that I cut out for this week. <laughs> but there, there is a process in our life. Now, that doesn't mean we're perfect. I don't, want you to say, I don't want you to walk away thinking, well, I have to be perfect to show my love. No, what that means is you're going to make mistakes. But when you make a mistake, the first thing you better do is go back and say, God, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry that I hurt you. I'm so sorry, Holy Spirit, that I grieved you in this. Would you help me not to do that again? Would you put away that habit? Would you help me to get rid of that habit? Would you help me to get rid of that feeling like I have to please people more than I have to please you? Boy, there's so much here. This is, this is the process of what it means to work out our salvation. And this is where the Holy Spirit wants to help us on this. He's our helper. He's our teacher. And he's a giver of peace beyond anything this world has ever known or can give. John chapter 14, 26 and 27. It says, But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. This is Jesus speaking. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. Again, here's, the, here's Jesus talking about the role of the Holy Spirit is to help us in our problems. To say, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit and he will teach you and remind you of everything I've already told you. That's the Holy Spirit's role is to bring a remembrance into your life of who Jesus is and what did he do for you? What did he do for your life? What did he do for your family? What's his promises to you? What are the promises of God's word for you? The Holy Spirit's role is to bring those back into remembrance so that we can have peace, a peace that goes beyond what the world can give us because I think you probably know, like I do, that the peace of the world doesn't last long, does it? As long as I've got money, as long as I've got a good home, as long as I've got a good job, as long as everybody's healthy, the world can give me peace. But as soon as something happens, as soon as I lose a job or somebody's unhealthy in my family or something bad happens, all of a sudden the peace that was there vanishes quickly because it has no stability, it has no carry through. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us the carry through of God's word. That gives us peace because I know that I'm just journeying through this world. This is not my home. I'm just journeying through here and I'm inviting the Holy Spirit to be my guide here. I'm inviting him in access and, and authority in my life to say, God, take over. 
change me and so that I don't want to chase the things of the world anymore, that I just want you in my heart and in my life. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. Another thing that, another thing that he does for us is given us in Ephesians chapter 1. He marks us with a seal and he presents us to God and he is our deposit for an eternal inheritance. What a blessing that I know that the Holy Spirit says you are marked with a seal, you're mine, and the devil cannot come and get you because I'm protecting you. That's what the Holy Spirit does so that I know that I have an eternal inheritance because of the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. Wow, that gives me peace. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who was a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are in God's possession to the praise of his glory. Man, talk about power. Talk about power. The Holy Spirit gives us an eternal inheritance that will never be taken away from us as long as I continue to choose to obey Christ. As long as I continue to choose to give him authority in my life. As long as I continue to choose to give him dominance and control and I put my flesh, I I die to my flesh every day and I choose to allow the Holy Spirit in, he marks me and he says, yes, you're my son and you will never be taken from me. That is power. That is confidence. That is peace. And then he also helps us pray. And he intercedes for us when we don't know how to pray. He prays always according to the will of the Father. I mean, it only makes sense, doesn't it? If the Holy Spirit is going to give me the words to pray, that you're going to be in step with his Father, why would he give me a word either through English, because sometimes I can pray in the Spirit using English, and whenever I pray in the Spirit using a heavenly prayer language that I don't understand, I know without a shadow of a doubt, that it is according to God's will. That was the power of Pentecost. That's the power that Paul prayed in and all the disciples prayed in through the whole writing of the New Testament. They prayed in a heavenly language that they knew was right purposefully, right intentionally, perfectly in the will of God the Father. And we have that ability today. I encourage you to use that. I encourage you to, do, to develop that. Romans chapter 8, 26 and 27, it says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Now, sometimes those wordless, wordless groans are just that, a wordless groan. I don't know what, so I just groan. Uh, have you been in such agony at times where you don't know what to do? So you just lay there and you just groan because you don't know what it is? Sometimes wordless groans can be defined as a heavenly prayer language too. That we just, the Lord takes over. The Holy Spirit gives us the words to speak that only God knows. And that is as well a wordless groan. Verse 27, And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Power, peace, assurance, because I know that I'm praying 
in the purpose of God. Jude chapter 1, verses 20 through 21. It says, But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith, pray in the power of the Holy Spirit, and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourself safe in God's love. It says, guys, listen, this is so important. You must build each other up. Praying in the Holy Spirit is not about you because it makes you special. Praying in the power of the Holy Spirit builds up the church. It builds up the person sitting next to you. It builds up your spouse. It builds up your family. If I'm just looking at the power of the Holy Spirit to make me better than for my sake, you're missing the point. The point is that we build each other up in your most holy faith and you pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we have prayer time every Sunday morning. That's why we make it a priority in our church that we pray for each other, that we allow the power of the Holy Spirit to pray through you into your neighbor's life. And then when you need help, their power is going to flow into you from their life. Does that make sense? That is why we can pray for each other because we're allowing the power of the Holy Spirit to pray through us. The Holy Spirit is the giver of joy and peace and hope even amid great suffering. Nobody likes to suffer. I, I will tell you right now that if I had the easy staple, the, you know, remember the, the staple, easy button they used to have the commercial on TV, the big red button with the staples you used to put out, and you just hit the button, and all of a sudden all your copies are made, <laughs> and all your problems are taken, taken care of? I, I wish I had that easy Holy Spirit button, that I could just hit that Holy Spirit button, and all of a sudden Kelsey and Morgan are perfectly healthy. I, I wish I could do that. If it was in my ability, I would do that. Or your cancer would be gone, Joni, instantly without having you go through that process. Or the MS, or any other desires or diseases that we have, or the heartaches that we have. If it was in my power, I would do it. But then, if it was just in my power, then it would be far short of the will of God sometimes. Can I just tell you that God's will is so much more important than my desires? That his overall arching will is so big and so powerful that he has eternity in mind for all of us? I remember when my dad died. And I remember the morning of his funeral, um, which 2009, about 10 years ago. And uh, it was the first funeral I'd ever done, actually. Um, and uh, I can remember being here in the morning of the funeral. My dad was here in the casket. It was right up here, actually, right here. And my dad was in the casket. And it's just me. Nobody else was here in the morning. I just was here kind of praying and just getting my heart right and going through my process. And I'm going to tell you something I'm not proud of because I got reprimanded by the Holy Spirit that day. But I walked up to my dad and he's laying there in the casket and I'm thinking, you know, Jesus, you resurrected Lazarus. Lazarus was dead for four days. Stinky even. Now my dad doesn't stink because he's been treated. <laughs> but he's dead. And I'm going to pray for him. And Lord, I'm going to expect you to raise him from the dead. So I went over and I put my hand on my dad's cold, clammy, wet forehead, or cold forehead and just as I started to pray it's like it's like I had the Holy Spirit hit me and say stop it stop it I'm, that's not my will because if I answered that you couldn't handle it nor could your dad 
I felt such an urgency in my heart to stop it because of the pride that would well up in me because I raised somebody from the dead. And my dad thinking I was dead and raised from the dead. And the Lord just told me to stop it. Now, that's because God has a bigger plan. He always has a bigger plan. Sometimes he gives us our desires. Sometimes because we can handle it, he gives it to us just the way we want it. Sometimes he says, no, I'm going to do it a different way but I'm going to ask you to trust me in the process because I promise you I have the best store for you if you'll just trust me. That's hard, folks. I get that. I I wanted my dad to be alive. I needed him in the business we were still in. It was hard, but I had to listen to the Holy Spirit because otherwise I would have looked really stupid and it wouldn't have worked and I would have been very frustrated because I would have said, God, it didn't work. And he's saying, I know it didn't work because it wasn't my will. Trust me, and I will give you the desires of your heart. And then when I do give you the desires, that's why it's so important that we pray, pray, pray before the temptation comes. Right, Jim? Talked about Sunday school today. That's why it's so important that we pray as much as we can. Go to your private prayer closet and pray and pray and pray. And here's here's what I ask for, and this is what I think you should ask for as well, because I think it's biblical, and pray, Father, what do you want to do today? Tell me what you want in my life today. And then give me the assurance, give me the wisdom, give me the discernment so that when I run across the situation that I know how to pray for that person. Because he may, they, he may be saying, there's going to be a healing today, and I'm going to use you to do it, so be prayed up. That when we do go to pray for somebody, we can, do, we can pray like the New Testament prayer was, and that is, get up, be healed, receive your sight. So many times when we pray for the sick, we go to God and we say, we try to justify how good they are say, God, this person has such a lived a good life and they're so deserving of your healing and, and we want to convince God because how good they were and we're doing it probably because we're not prayed up in ourselves. We're probably doing it not because we think that God doesn't know they're a good person but because we're not prayed up, we're not in, in line and sync with God's will, therefore we're just, we're just grabbing straws. And then we say it's an act of faith. I think faith comes when we're prayed up because then we have the authority of God's word because we're hearing his voice and he's given us instructions and he's given us guidance. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Where am I at here? Yeah. The Holy Spirit is the giver of joy, peace, and hope amid great suffering. First Thessalonians first chapter 1, verse 6. It says, So you receive the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> the Holy Spirit gives you joy in spite of the severe suffering it brought you. Wow, did you hear that? The Holy Spirit brings you joy in spite of this great suffering it brought you. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is a giver of power, a giver of peace, a giver of joy. Jackie, the Holy Spirit fellowships with us in our spirit as proof that we are 
a child of God, that he is with us. Second Corinthians 13, 14, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So many times we go through life thinking we're alone. Do you ever feel lonely? How many here has ever felt lonely? Can I tell you that you're not alone? If the Holy Spirit is in you, you are not alone. This is when you just go and you and say, Father, I need the fellowship. I need the fellowship of the Holy Spirit to come and give me peace. And I will promise you, because God's word says it right here. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That's you and I today. We don't have to feel alone. We don't have to feel like we're here in this life and that, and that we have nothing to go on. So I want to just remind us today that as we can constrain the Holy Spirit, because that's one of the choices that we have, I want you to know, 1 John 4, 4, that the devil cannot constrain us. The devil cannot constrain him. Jesus defeated the devil on the cross, didn't he? He defeated him. 1 John 4, 4, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome the world because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. He's defeated the world. Jesus defeated Satan. And so now our choice is to invite the presence of the Holy Spirit so that he can lift us up, that we don't have to be defeated. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar, and he will come to you in your weakest moment and will tell you that he wins. And he will do everything he can to try to distract you. He will promise you all kinds of things of this world. But can I just say that that's a lie? And the only one that has a promise that will sustain is the Holy Spirit. Greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world. It requires, guys, some things of us that we have to be completely open and honest. Don't be afraid to be honest with the Lord. Don't be afraid to say, Jesus, I'm scared. I don't know what to do. I'm lost. Don't be afraid to be honest. Because it's only in our honesty do we give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to work. Because he wants to come in as we invite him in. It's, it doesn't do us any good to put up a, 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 facade, a facade or to put up a fake vase before the Holy Spirit. Because he knows you anyways. So this morning, I just want to give us an opportunity as we sing the song that Jackie and Tom are playing that we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to, be, to come into this room and then we're going to ask him to come into our life. And I'm going to ask you to stand with me and I'm going to ask you to make a step here. If you truly want the Holy Spirit to be a part of your life, invite him in. He's not going to force himself on you. But at the same time, he's going to give you such fulfillment and such peace if you invite him in. Do you remember a few weeks ago, my wife drew a chalk line across the sanctuary here. And I see it 
fading out here. In fact, here it is right here. It's right here. It's fading out. And when I see that, when I come in and pray in the mornings, the question often comes to me. For those that crossed that line a few weeks ago, because that line was to say, if, if you really want the Lord, you have to commit yourself to him. Cross the line. And so many of us did cross the line. And I'm wondering if, like the line has faded in the carpet, has that line faded in your life? Did you cross the line that Sunday? Are you still committed to him? I'm going to ask you to make that same same decision today. Would you stand with me? And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come in. And we're going to invite him in. And this morning, I'm just going to ask you to make a bold statement here. And I'm going to ask you to put the Holy Spirit to the test in this way. Say, Holy Spirit, I want you. I need you. Come into my life and fill me. I'm going to give you an opportunity to, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. So you're welcome to come up. You're welcome to cross this line again if you'd like with me. Let's just sing the song. Let's just worship. Holy Spirit, fill this room. She kind of glory, sweet perfume. We need your presence. We need you. Holy Spirit, fill this room. Holy Spirit, fill this room. She kind of glory, sweet perfume. We need your presence. We need you. Holy Spirit, fill this room. Now, I want to just make a couple comments because I want to make sure that we understand what I'm asking. Sometimes we go life, we go through life real fast. And we just want the benefits. And I'm just saying, folks, that this is a time where we need to allow the Holy Spirit to practice dwelling in our life. If I can't do it here, I'm going to say you probably aren't doing it at home. So I'm going to ask you again, because this isn't, I'm not trying to force anything here, but I'm just trying to encourage us to get comfortable inviting the Holy Spirit in our life in a way that makes a public statement. The Holy Spirit wants to come in. He wants to dwell. He wants to be effective. and He wants to have his purposes in our life. So we're going to sing the song and again you're welcome to come up if you don't that's fine I'm not saying you're not filled with the Holy Spirit I'm not saying that at all but I'm just giving you an opportunity to make sure that we don't rush out of here this morning that we take the time 
sing again, again Jackie. And I, I'm, I'm not going to pray today, so this is it. You can, you can come and pray as long as you'd like to pray. Amen. Let's just invite the presence. Holy Spirit, fill my heart. Shekinah glory, sweet perfume. We need your presence. We need you. Holy Spirit, fill. 